Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to The Holy Podcast. My name's Chris Reed, and I am not the typical host of this podcast. Typically, Pastor Matthew hosts because he's the one teaching through the messages and and really uh, leading this kind of this series for us. And, but uh, he is out this week, and, and so I get the opportunity to kind of um, walk us through the conversation about the message that we heard on Sunday. Today, I'm joined by Stacy and Mackie and Michael, and really excited to get into the conversation where we are talking about biblical finances. And um, just to do a really quick recap from this past week, um, I'm not going to recap the whole thing, so if you, you missed it, I really highly encourage you to go back and watch this message. It's probably, I've heard Pastor Matthew teach on uh, biblical finances a lot of different times, and this was probably uh, the most comprehensive and like point-by-point time that I've ever heard him lay it out, and which mm-hmm. I thought was, yeah. uh, was super awesome. He, he gave us five different principles that the Bible speaks about when it comes to money, and he, he told us that God commanded to give the first and the best portion. God commanded to give the tithe, which was 10% or a tenth um, of the whole, and then God commanded ongoing generosity. God used offerings to fund his ministry, and God's purpose for his commands are always about our hearts. And so our finances are always wrapped into our hearts. And so these are the five points that he laid out, and he laid them out and gave biblical evidence for for where we find these principles at and whatnot. But then he also started by addressing the tension that I think we all feel when it comes to, or at least we've all wrestled through, Mm -hmm. um, as we've kind of come to terms with whether or not this is something that is just an Old Testament principle or whether or not it's something that continues on um, for a Christian. Because you don't see a whole lot in the New Testament about the tithe specifically, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, and so that leaves a lot of questions and a lot of uh, tension in people's hearts as we wrestle with like, what's applicable for us today? Mm-hmm. Um, what do we still need to kind of, uh, to, to adhere to? And, and I love the way that he presented it, but before we get to exactly what he says, I, I kind of want to, I, w- I want to get into some of the questions and some of the, the pushback that you guys have heard, mm-hmm. um, over your season of ministry mm-hmm. and kind of how you've come to terms with, and reconcile those things in your mind. Yeah, sure. Anybody can start. <laughs> so. Yeah. Are, are you, now, do you just want to like go through like different questions we've had about sure. it? Sure. Yeah. Critiques of it? What are some things you've yeah, heard sure. people have asked you, and, and ways that you yeah. kind of addressed? For it? me, the biggest one. We were actually just talking about this about right before the podcast started about like Jesus coming to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, not to you know, but to fulfill it, and it makes. Um, some things obsolete in that regard, not necessarily obsolete in their value. Like when you read the Old Testament, when you read Leviticus, when you read Deuteronomy, these books that are heavy with like just legislation and here's what, you know, the way that God wants his people led and all these laws, they all have the same heart behind them. Um, in my opinion, you guys can 100% give, give pushback, but they all come from this perspective seemingly of God wanting his people to have the best life possible. Mm-hmm. That's a big one where it's like, you know, you know why I don't want you to do this because it's going to keep you safe. And also to keep each other safe. So mm-hmm. for you to have the best life possible and the people around you to be edified and have the best life possible. Mm-hmm. Um, with Jesus, his salvation work on the cross made all of this, not all of it, a lot of this older legislation, these things to keep people safe, they were holding to it at the time with this like sharp legalism of like, I have to do these things because God said so. I have to do these things that God said so. Then Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, why are we just talking about Paul? Why do you, why were you even doing that? Like, mm-hmm. what's the heart of it? Like you say, I'm not going to eat this to make me holy. It's like, what comes out is actually makes you holy. Yeah. It's like people were still following these laws and like, you know, really obsessive over these laws and this heart of legalism because they wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to be in right standing with God. And you have much of the new Testament's pointing back to why did those laws even exist? Like, mm-hmm. here's why, what, what are the greatest, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself is what Jesus said, the mm-hmm. greatest of all commandments. They all point to those two things. And if you're doing those things, 
So that's where tithe comes in. And that's mm-hmm. where the questions I've gotten most is like, is this yeah. an old mm-hmm. obsolete law where now with the fulfillment work of mm-hmm. Jesus, we don't have to abide by that anymore? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a tricky question. Um, my usual pushback to that is like, well, I don't need to tithe because, you know, we don't have to follow Old Testament law anymore. Mm-hmm. I have like two major pushbacks to it. One is that Jesus said so. Um, when I don't know if I, I, I'd have to pull up specifically who asked, who, who posed the question, but it was either his followers, maybe it was Pharisees asked him um, specifically about tithe, how they might not have to. And he said, no, you still should tithe. You should also do this stuff as well. That's the words of Jesus. He's saying, no, mm-hmm. you should still tithe. Yeah. The immediate pushback is mm-hmm. always, yep, that's before he died and rose again, though. So in that culture, they still should have because he had yet to fulfill the law. Um, my thought and pushback to that pushback, I'm having to imagine an argument right now. So like, <laughs> my, my always response is you can then does everything that Jesus said post-resurrection not apply then? Because he was pre, only, right? yeah. pre-resurrection. Pre, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah. If everything that he said pre-resurrection, well, he was only talking to that crowd who had yet to experience the mm. fulfillment of Jesus saving us. And like that, that, like in that salvation work, that is the classic slippery slope of like, then you have to discredit everything he said just for a cultural sure. moment. In my opinion, if Jesus said something, I'm going to find a lot of value in it and a lot of authority in it. And I'm always going to err on the side of what did Jesus say? I'll go with that. Cause I think it's safe. Um, could, could I go to heaven one day? And he might say like, that was just for maybe, but like, you know, he, right. no one explicitly said afterwards that was the case. Um, because Jesus himself confirmed that I'm going to assume it applies to me as well. That's one part. The other part is again, you look at the spirit of all these laws. They're fulfilled by that work of Jesus. Uh, only in that there are there are better ways to love your na- Lord God with all your heart, better ways to love your mm-hmm. neighbors yourself. Giving less money to the kingdom of heaven doesn't accomplish either of those things. Mm-hmm. So if you're being intellectually honest, like I don't have to tithe anymore because that law is obsolete. It's mm-hmm. like, is it though? Because right. like, yeah. right. you, know, you, have, you know, you have many of those Old Testament laws that while the food that we consume might now be different, you know, mm-hmm. because we know that there's more safety in it. It's, it's you know, uh, you know in, in, in what we consume. Uh, all that said though, I've yet to hear a compelling argument why God would ever desire us to be less generous with the mm. church or why yeah. that would somehow love God better yeah. or love people better. Yeah. So Jesus talked about it. I'm going to take it seriously, um, but also paired with that, I don't know that like any death and resurrection on, on the cross, as powerful as that was, mm-hmm. would make us not have to do that. Because to me, it feels like a continued extension of loving right. Lord God with all your heart, loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. Well, I think even to that, like I think about uh, Sabbath and I think about uh, the idea of that in a si- very similar way that I think about tithing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have this principle that you see modeled from the beginning of creation, this idea of rhythm into our lives, this idea of we're not our work, this idea of like... God has ultimate rest for us, this mm-hmm. shalom, this peace, and, and he wants us to have it. And I'll hear a lot of people say, like, man, Jesus fulfilled that. We don't have to do a Sabbath anymore. And my response is always like, mm, I would like to have a day off. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that might be something good. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, Jesus does fulfill. He is our ultimate rest. And, and yeah. like, you watch videos like The Bible Project, and they'll talk into that, and they'll talk about Hebrews chapter 4, that how Christ is our ultimate rest, and he does fulfill that. So... Does Sabbath keeping need to be a legalistic thing? Absolutely not. Mm. Is Sabbath keeping good for our lives? Is it, is it beneficial yeah. and does it give us the best, best life? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Tithing is the same way. And we're going to talk about it in, in greater detail why that is here as we kind of go. But like, it's the same thing. It's the same idea. God institutes this, this 
very practical, very um, efficient way of, of freeing our hearts from money mm-hmm. and keeping us focused on uh, on Him as our provider. And yeah. so why would it not be beneficial to do in our life? Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there are also things in the Bible that even predate predate law in that yeah. sense, where like the Sabbath is one of them. That's, a, that's what mm-hmm. some people would call a creation ordinance, like literally God in creation modeled a Sabbath, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of giving your first and best portion, that predates law. Like that's, right. there are things that like, you look at because it doesn't seem to be, you know, where you have all these laws are basically all built around how to keep people in right standing with God. Then when you mess up, here's the sacrifice part of how to fix it. That's all these laws. Mm-hmm. Now the sacrifice part doesn't have to happen. The real big question is what is still edifying? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. still yeah. helps me love God? What helps yeah. me love each other? I will never hear a compelling argument that a Sabbath doesn't help me or mm-hmm. the way that I love people, right. you know, it, or right. help that even my relationship with the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. he loves me enough to desire rest from my heart. Yeah. That's where I love the fact that we serve like an, an intellectually honest God. Like yeah. one, he's a God of logic and, and that's where I have to weigh many of those things from. You know, yeah. if there's something that like doesn't assist me in that, that's probably not like, I'm not going to worry about having a mixed blend cotton shirt because yeah. although that's a Levitican law, it's like, I'm not going right. to, that doesn't help me love anybody. It right. doesn't help me love yeah. God. It's yeah. like, but man, giving to the church certainly does. Oh, it's yeah. like, but man, taking yeah. a Sabbath certainly does. And that right. to me is where I think a lot of the power in this stuff comes from. Sure. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? What are some things that you've heard and you've had to kind of address and work through? Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Mackie. No, I I agree with both what you guys said. Is there's rhythms that God designed from the very beginning? You know what I mean? That um, what what's the point of asking? What's the bare minimum I can do? I think mm-hmm. that's what that message, and I, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into that more. Sure. But that at the end of the day, if you're asking constantly the bare minimum of what you can do yeah. to follow God, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I don't want to take a Sabbath because X, Y, and Z is like. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but it's also not the best life possible that right. you can be li- right. that yeah. can be lived because God designed it a certain way. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard uh, similar things, similar um, you know people pushing back and wanting to kind of unhitch their wagon, so to speak, from the Old Testament uh, where it commands the tithe that talks about first fruits and all these things. Um, yeah, it's a really it's a really good conversation to have, and I totally agree with you guys. Is mm-hmm. uh, God set up a life and He designed rhythms and principles for our life. Uh, that we ought to follow if, you know, we want to live an abundant life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, not necessarily the tension between the Old and New Testament, but just I've, a lot of questions that I know that I've had to help people with is um, two of them. And I know we're going to kind of talk about it, so I'm not going to do too much talking about it right now. But the one is, um, but what if I give 10%, I just don't give it all just to the church. Yeah. And I thought Pastor oh, Matthew wow, yeah. addressed that really well, and I know we're going to talk about it sure. um, a little bit. But then the second one is, well, what about if I don't give financially, but what if I give of my time? What okay. if I give of my talents? And to me, my answer to them is it's always both and. It's yeah. always yeah. both. Like you're called to serve and you're called to give, you know? So, and I think we're going to talk about all of that today, but those are probably the two most common questions that I get asked on a regular basis. I, to get into some of the technical questions, like people have asked like, well, isn't the tithe uh, essentially a temple tax? Like, wasn't it something that like, was just a tax for the Old Testament so that they could raise funds for the ministry. And absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. It was that for, for people. And it was so that the Levites could live and so that they would, because, and I believe Pastor Matthew shared this in the message, but the whole idea of the Levites portion was God. And so the way that God decided to support them was that because they didn't get inheritance in the promised land, they were to be um, shared with and they were to share in the rest of the tribe's inheritance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the tithe really, it fed, it clothed, it put 
house, a roof over um, these these men that would be priests and their families. And so, and and a lot of them, honestly, they were just part of the community. Nine times, nine tenths of the year, every once in a while, they would go and they would serve in the temple or serve in the tabernacle. And and so, like, so they were being funded. Their mm-hmm. lives were being supported by these things. So yes, it was a tax, but. Um, and, and now that the temple's not around, like, does that, does that diminish that tax? Mm. Uh, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the, the principle's still there. And again, I think we're alluding to a lot of things that we're going to get into the details of later, but mm-hmm. I think all of these questions kind of really stem from the, really like technicalities that, um, that we don't want to buy into. I think we, we feel that tension of Paul when he says like, he, he says two things. First of all, he, he harps hard on not um, finding our salvation through the law. So mm-hmm. I think we feel that tension there. Yeah. But then also he goes on and he says um, that we should give without reluctance and we should um, we should not give under pressure. And so he introduces these two ideas and these, these two ideas come from 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 7 through 8. And I'm just going to read it so that we can we can kind of talk about it here for a second. He says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. All right. So that sounds like a contradictory idea. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've all had this discussion before and talked about this. We know it, Paul's not contradicting right. the idea of tithing here, but why not? So would one of you be willing to kind of bust out and explain that a little bit? I mean, he's talking about the extra. So he, he, I feel like in this, he's already addressed maybe tithing. We just don't see it here, Yeah. but they knew the idea of tithing. And he's almost saying like, this is your above and beyond. Like this is everything extra. But I think even when you think about the idea of tithing, you can't be cheerful about it. Like that's what he's saying. Like, don't mm. be reluctant about it. Don't just look at it from a legalistic standpoint be like, man, what an honor it is that God calls me to give 10% to his ministry, to what he wants to do. And then he also gives me all this leftover, possibly, that I could then be generous with other people or I can be generous to other ministries or, mm-hmm. or other things in that. Yeah, Paul's planted this new church in uh, you know Corinth, and he's teaching them a lot of things that would be basic to us as Christ followers, but they really aren't basic. And sometimes the most simple and basic things are mm-hmm. the best things we need to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of those, right? Yeah. Even when it comes to the tithe or giving above and beyond, it's important to not only know the command and know the principle, but know the heart behind the principle mm-hmm. and the command. Sure. You know right. I, mean? yeah. I think right. that's what Paul's really addressing. I don't think he's giving a prescription that's outside of the norm of what God's already designed, the principle he's already designed in tithing mm-hmm. and giving. But he's saying he's honestly, he's kind of adding on to the weight you have of when you do that thing. Right. So you think about yeah, Jesus good. every time he talks, like he talks about, hey, you know, do not murder. In fact, if you hate another person, that's like murdering in your heart. Mm-hmm. He does this over and over again. Yeah. He takes old principles and he doesn't dumb them down or water them down. He actually adds a new layer to it, right? Yeah. And I think that's what yeah. Paul's doing here yeah. is like not only should you give and follow the commands God's given us, but Give cheerfully, right. which right. if you thought giving was hard, imagine <laughs> giving. To, and I, that's how I read this. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Michael, you uh, have thoughts? Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I even think a literal reading of it feels to me still safe in the sense of you must decide in your heart how much to give. That's factually true. Like no mm-hmm. one is going to come take your agency. No one's going to come right. make you do anything. True. And he's also saying like, don't, 
Do it under pressure. Like this is a decision that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And when you do it, do it cheerfully. It's like, yeah, that's factually that's true. To me, it's not saying give less. It's saying like, there, it, it's not just to give. It's not just to give because you're being pressured. It's not mm-hmm. just I'm going to give a tithe because my pastor told me to give a tithe. No, this is a decision between you and God. And if you're going to, when you do it, you're going to do it cheerfully. Mm-hmm. That to me does not mean you shouldn't tithe. It doesn't mean it's a call for less. It's saying, right. but when you do it, 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 I would put it in a similar space as uh, communion. Like, yep, you cannot do it. It's like, but if you're going to do it, your heart should be right with the mm-hmm. Lord. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with tithing. Yeah. It's like no one's going to make right. you do something. Like, if you're going to do this, you have to do it within your own character and integrity yeah. with a cheerful heart. Yeah. Because that's what God wants from you. Right. It's just like, right. so if, So I would say you're in equally dangerous territory is if you're tithing, but it's just like, it, but there's no thought behind it. There's no, um, there's no care behind it. There's mm-hmm. no, or you're angry, or especially if you're angry or bitter about it, it's like, I don't know that that's holy either. Like what Paul right. said, again, it's exactly what you guys said. He's furthering this idea of tithing. He's not diminishing it. He's not mm-hmm. saying, yeah, I can get away with, 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 with 1%, but right. as long as you do it cheerfully, it's not like that. It's a deeper of like, oh no, like, like you will do this with the right heart or else we're not in right standing with God mm-hmm. and what he'd have for us. And, right. and to me, that's what, that's how I've always read that. And I can understand there are different translations. And there's, I wanted to say this to you just because I, I'm not sure I, I quoted it right earlier. It's in Luke 11 and also Matthew 23. It's, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe, uh, mint, rue, and every herb so o- over these things mm-hmm. and neglect justice and the love of God. Um, very similar to many times in the Bible. You guys are doing the right stuff, but you're not mm-hmm. doing it with the right heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what Jesus said. These you ought to have done. You should have tithed that. You should have done that mm-hmm. stuff without neglecting the others. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Paul's saying. Right. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, do sure, like, mm-hmm. do this stuff. This is important. This is what God has for you. Right. But if you're missing the heart of God, in this case, he's talking about justice, uh, uh, neglecting people. Um, in Matthew, it says justice, mercy, and faithfulness. If you're neglecting these things, it's like, man, you, you're missing the heart of God. If you're doing right. it with a disgruntled heart, if you're doing it, um, then I wouldn't say we're in God's plan either. So it's again, it's it's a it's a deeper relationship with tithing and understanding, not not a lessening of it. Yeah. Well, isn't it so? What when he's asking for this, when he when he's talking to them, like he he's thinking about because what his charge was at this time was to go and collect an offering for those that were famine stricken in Jerusalem. So he's coming, like you said, Stacy, taking an offering over even above mm-hmm. what is their normal offering. Yeah. And he's doing it for the purpose of like inviting them into this place of like, Hey, your brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. they are, they're hurting right now. Yeah. They, they need your yep. generosity. They need your love, your compassion. So as you think and pray about this, I know that you normally do all of the, these things. Mm-hmm. Seek God. Ask God yeah. what He would have you do above and beyond that, and yeah. then, and then do that. And don't do don't feel any pressure to be a part of that, but but do that. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea of like God will provide for you as you take steps of generosity, as you bite into the compassion, as you as you do all of these things, God is the one who provides, and that is I think that's the truth that that gets us to the place where where you guys are talking about that place of like. The heart behind it should be joy. It should be. Mm-hmm. It should lack reluctance. Why? Because reality, reality is people struggle with this and people have tension with this because it costs them something. It's mm-hmm. hard. It's difficult. And Paul stands here and says, "Well, you should do it cheerfully because Christ, or God, will provide generously provide all you need." Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the the premise that that sets up the idea of tithing. Yeah. It sets up the idea of God's view with yeah. our money. And so um and so I want to get into looking at some of the some of the specific points that that Matthew made throughout the message. And I, and I want to keep that idea in mind because his final point was 
it's about the heart. Mm -hmm. It's about the heart. And so um, as we process through these very specific things, keeping that in mind of how do these things stir um, faithfulness in our hearts? How does it stir um, generosity in us? How does it stir cheerful giving Mm. and and get us to the place where we're both in our actions and in our intentions and in, in how we think about this come to the place where we trust God with yeah. everything. Yeah. So let's go to the first point. God commanded to give the first and the best portion. So um, Pastor Matthew talked about that a little bit, just in that like the very first thing that God asked Israel to do when he rescued them was to, to set aside their firstborn, um, how this was inconvenient, how it doesn't make sense. And and explain a little bit why why it doesn't make sense in this moment. Or Or let me ask it this way. This idea of first and best portion always is a demonstration of faith. Mm-hmm. It is the best demonstration yeah. of faith that we can that we can give when it comes to giving our money. Why is it the best demonstration of our faith in God? Why is giving the first important in taking a step of faith? Yeah. Stacy, why don't we start with you? Yeah, you know, I because oftentimes, like on paper, it doesn't make sense. You know, Pastor Matthew was talking about as Americans, we live above what we make. You know, mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. we do not stop short of it. We're living above and beyond our our means and everything. And so oftentimes when you do look on paper, it's like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to give this to God. I look at my, my giving statement at the end of every year and I'm like, that's a lot of money. That's a mm-hmm. lot of money that could go towards other things. But when I decide to give to God first, mm-hmm. it really is faith. And, and I'll probably share a little bit of our testimony later, but it really is just taking that opportunity and saying, Sometimes it is like, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how all my ba- my bills are going to get paid, but I know you've called me to give to you first. And so I'm going to give and I, and it is faith. It is taking that step of faith and saying, it doesn't make sense, but I know God's going to take care of me. Yeah. And I know mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be yeah. able to provide exactly what I need. Yeah. If you never take that step of faith, right? How is God going to prove to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, what he can do, right? right? Like anytime you're trying to build trust, whether it's in a relationship or even in your relationship with God, you have to stick your neck out there and you have to sacrifice something Mm, in order for God to prove to you that he is trustworthy, right? right? So, you know, someone lies to you or someone breaks your trust. What do you have to do to mend that fence? What do you have to do mm-hmm. to build that trust back? You're going to have to put your neck out there again. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to, you know what I mean, go out of your way to say, hey, I'm going to give you a little more trust and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's similar with God. And if we don't ever take that step of faith, mm. then there's no opportunity for God to ever prove yeah. to us how good he really can be. 100%. Yeah, yeah it's super good. You know, for me, I think that, so few things are as visceral and tangible as your money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that anything has such a quantifiable weight to it in my life that that my finances do, to mm-hmm. where if I don't have enough, I am in trouble, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, if I don't have enough sleep, I can make it work. If I don't have enough uh, alone time, I'll be okay. I can make mm-hmm. it work. Yeah, you run out of money, like, things get really tough <laughs> yeah. really fast, right. you know? <laughs> right. The idea, and, and even to think about, like, when, when the idea of your first and your best portion, you're talking about people who are in essence, survivalists. Like the moment that you have um, the fall of man, you are going to have to go work the land. You are out of the Garden mm-hmm. of Eden. Yeah. Talk about high stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't pay my bills, I have wiggle room of like, all right, I probably have X amount of time before they come foreclose my house. I have, mm-hmm. I have a lot of resources. I can go, I can go crash with family. I can. You're talking about people where it's like your survival is contingent on what you produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That 
is yeah. as a, as an American, I have immense privilege of mm-hmm. of even the the poorest in our country are still generally covered and paid for, whether it be through you know nonprofits, whether it be through government assistance. Like we're talking, you know, a pretty mm-hmm. safe environment to mm-hmm. to to give in. When this was authored, when these things were became principled, it's like that was not a safe environment. Yeah, like when true. you, mm-hmm. there is no promise of more. Mm-hmm. There is no promise of of greater. There is no, um, and that's just like the harsh reality of their life. That's the harsh reality of the fall of man. So what a wild, preposterous call to give your first and your best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really, it, it's twofold. One, like as you guys were saying, there's a element of like, you're giving God that opportunity to show what what he can do with less, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful, powerful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. assumption is that if I give 10%, it's that God's going to make up um, make up the deficit in that 10% because of his holiness and his goodness. And it's a very tangible way to put your faith in that. But there's also this conviction of like, yeah, but like, even if he doesn't, like, he's still worthy of that and more. Right. Like, it doesn't 100%. matter. Yeah. I don't want to give just to just to receive with God. And I think that's, that's part great. of giving yeah. with a joyful yeah. heart. Like, it's right. not this like magical genie where if I tithe, that means he's going to do this, dude. I've had financial problems. I've tithed my entire life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but it's mm-hmm. just a a principle. Like, like my parents when I was a kid for chores, they would give me a, a ten dimes. One went to the church, one went into a piggy bank, and I could spend the other 80 cents. Mm-hmm. Like that was like a very basic way that I learned early on. Yeah. Sure. My whole life, I've heard how to say, save some money, give it to God, and then, then you can keep the rest, do whatever you want with, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, there's, there's this, but in spite of that, so my whole life with this principle, I have still fallen on very difficult financial times, mostly of my own doing. You know, I love spending money, I love stuff, you know, <laughs> I guess the reality is <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. you can tithe or not, you can still make very bad financial <laughs> decisions, you know? Um, but that being said, like, it doesn't matter if I got something from this. This is the principle of like, not only is God worthy of that dime of my 10%, he's worthy of everything. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of the blessing I get right. from this. Like, I don't want to do that with an agenda. I don't right. want to do it just to receive. I want to do it because God's worthy and he's holy of it. Luckily, God's awesome. Yeah. And he blesses our faithfulness. I'm like, right. what a cool thing. But like, right. man, that's yeah. not the, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want that to be the sole motivator. While mm-hmm. I believe that that also happens because I've, it's, I've also, while I've fallen on hard financial times, I've also had deep, blessing financially. Mm-hmm. And sure. I have to assume that's part of it right. because God blesses us when we're faithful, but I don't want that to be the core motivator. He's, he's worthy of the whole thing. Right. He's worthy. Like exactly. I, I don't, mm-hmm. none of us deserve to be here. Like, you know, what are the wages of sin? It's mm-hmm. death. You know, the mm-hmm. gift of God is eternal life. Like yeah. we don't, we're already on borrowed time in that sense on the time that Jesus, that Jesus bought with his, with, with his salvation work. Right. The thought of him not being worth that 10%, really the whole thing is like, man, I'm lucky to be here in the first place. So I don't want to, I'm not going to withhold that. But, but it's think, terrifying. You know, they, I think, too, though, you know, when you're saying that, like, it's not just God doesn't he could and he doesn't always just find uh, financially bless us. You know, oftentimes it is just the blessing of like a changed heart, a changed motivation, so yeah. a change, you know, a change in thought of how I actually am spending my money. And so, you know, even listening to Paul, it's like when you give cheerfully to God. Yeah. yeah, he's going to bless you. It may not be a financial blessing, but man, it could be something else that's even better, you know, even better than that financial blessing mm-hmm. that, that could come from it. So good. Well, I know in my life, like the areas of finances have been the tangible places where God has proven himself for me. And, and the blessing that I get from that is that in all of these other areas of my life, I have learned that God is faithful because he's been faithful here. Yes. Mm-hmm. So exactly. like, yeah, so, so speaking to what you were talking about, Stacey, like that idea of like, yeah, it may not be financial, but like for me, it's been like in this area of finances, it's been almost like the most tangible way that, that God has demonstrated mm-hmm. um, to me that, that that he can come through when yeah. it doesn't look like he, he, when it doesn't look like anything else will come through. Mm-hmm. 
it's those moments that I always think back to when I'm like when I'm pressed against with another challenge, uh, with the challenge of how am I going to get all this stuff done when mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. like, how is this all going to come together? What right. What's going to happen with my kids? Like mm -hmm. with that in mind, I go back and I go, oh, faith is a result of God proving himself mm -hmm. in, in a mm -hmm. lot of different ways. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, definitely. Um, okay. So Michael, you said you, you've tithed from, from the time that, the, that you were young a lot of people, and I would say it's probably a a simpler thing to do if if you start from the beginning hmm. before you form your budget. Sure, yeah. I would say most people hearing this already have a budget established. They're mm -hmm. learning how to do this new. Um, what advice would you give in a practical way to get to this place of giving first and best? And and, and is there a way to do it without removing the risk, or is risk always going to be involved with it? Yeah, that's a super good question. So going back to even this idea of the first and best portion being authored to people to who are in survival mode, right? Sure. There is always risk. Yeah. Like in, the, in mm -hmm. that, and I, and I don't know that God's, the desire of his heart is to make us feel uncomfortable and to make us feel risky. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't, yeah. I don't think that's it. I don't think that his function is like, oh, I'm going to keep you in your place. I'm going to keep you on your heels. I'm going to keep you scared. <laughs> right. I want to take right. 10%. I want to take your best in your first so that way you're a little nervous. Like, no, that's not it. <laughs> We feel the risk. I, but I that think. being said, I think yeah. for, forever you'll, you'll, you'll feel the risk. Mm -hmm. You're right. There is a built-in um, comfort in that, the fact that I've based my budget on this my, like, my entire mm -hmm. life. Um, uh, but that being said, like it's still – you talked about looking at your year-end giving statement where it's just like, ah. Oh, or, or here's where I get it is more an envy where it's like – so even less risk and more envy. Yeah. Where I look at people and be like, how do people have that much money to go on these trips and go do this? I'm like, oh, that's because 10% of their liquid income is still with them. It's like, <laughs> like, like, if I had like 10%, because at this point my budget is formed with that 10% of flex, you know, we're just gone. Yeah. If I said 10% of my income that I could spend on whatever I want without consequence because everything else is already covered, that's how you do, you know, all that. that so that's where it hits me. Less of risk and more envy and more like, mm -hmm. oh man, like, mm -hmm. I, man, I'd love to go do that. And I'd love... Um, and that's where I get that, where I need to check my heart and go back to that. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with a happy heart or else I'm yeah. not even going to do it at all because mm. it's just as sinful at that point. Like, right. I, like I want this to be because I, I enjoy and I trust that God's going to provide in these moments. And I trust that that this 90% is going to go way farther than my 100% because I have the anointing of God on it at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I think that's that's really meaningful. Yeah. What about you guys? I think sometimes, I mean, I think there is risk involved. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and maybe you're like really good financially and you're just like, oh, I've, this is just the missing piece. And that's awesome. You know, like that's incredible. Um, but I think, you know, anytime God commands us to do something, I think there's always a level of uncomfort with it. And I also think that there is always a level of risk from our perspective, sure. you know, not from his perspective, but I can look at that. Like I said, it doesn't make sense on paper. But at the same time, I think you can then, it almost causes you to reprioritize everything else. You know, like, mm -hmm. oh, I spent, mm -hmm. I spent that amount on clothes this last month. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. I can not spend that on clothes and I can give it to God. You know what I mean? So I think, I think it, it, it helps to kind of reevaluate where you are spending, but there may be a little bit of a risk, you know, and I think it is like doing it wisely. You know, mm -hmm. I think with everything, we always ask God for wisdom, doing it from a wise posture. Like, obviously, if you have nothing to your name, then we need to have a conversation. We have financial mentors to help you with that. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, I, I just think that it is, it's worth doing it. There may be a risk involved, but do it wisely. Yeah. I think there's always risk. I think it depends on what you're risking, right? So yeah, sure. like Michael was explaining, 
Um, that risk to some people is very real. Like mm-hmm. I can't make my rent payment this month or next month. You know what yeah. I mean? That yeah. like survival is based on what I produce. So that's a risk for some, you know, early on in ministry, I learned this pretty quickly. Uh, it's still a kind of a mystery that I've worked through, prayed through. And honestly, even having conversations like these are good for it. But I learned early on in ministry, a lot of the people who push back against the idea of generosity in general or tithing are the people that are just risking some level of comfort and they're Mm. not risking any kind of survival type thing. Um, So let me be even clearer about that. Like the people that often push back against generosity are the people that have very much the means to be generous. Mm. Um, I've noticed that over and over again. Um, And I'd say there's a risk for them too, but I think they're risking comfort at that point. You know what I mean? And I think when Paul talks to people about being a cheerful giver, I think anytime God commands, I think anytime Jesus talks about it, I think a lot of times he is talking to the people that's like, Hey, you're well within your means too. Mm -hmm. But there is something going on in your heart that is holding you back from following that principle or being obedient in that. So I would say there definitely is risk involved. And, you know, in the former conversation I talked about where it really is a practical thing of if Mm -hmm. I were to give 10% of my income, it would really put you in this spot. I think that is worthy of a conversation at a table, you know, with Mm -hmm. a pastor, with people, with where churches, a lot of churches don't have financial mentors and our church is Mm -hmm. blessed enough to have people Mm -hmm. like that, but to have a conversation at the table of what that looks like because in that situation i think god looks at the heart before he looks at the legalistic side of you know checking off that box if that makes sense yeah yeah and i think you guys all have spoken to it so so really well i don't don't really have a whole lot to add to the to the thought of this but it really does stem back to i I think what we're going to have to come to if we have a budget already set and we're like in that place where we're strapped we're we're at 100 percent or 105 percent of our income it is going to be a value question at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, do I value this more than I value mm-hmm. something else? Mm-hmm. And and so um, you can't you can't operate off of more than what you make. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so yeah. like that that's a reality of of life. But yeah. at the same time, um, what I've seen happen and and what what people I think are afraid to step into because there's no certainty of it is that space where if if I live by my values here. Um, what happens if it doesn't mm-hmm. come through? Yeah. What happens if it if it doesn't pan out? And and this is uh, as a pastor, this is the conversation that I have with people regularly. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm not going to make my bills this month. I decided to to not give my tithe because I needed to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. And and there is this this there's this a sense and this feeling inside that where it's like, as a pastor, me giving advice in that moment is like. I have to check my heart and mm-hmm. I have to go back to the experiences that I've had where I go, right. I said, I know this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I know that it makes more sense to take care of your bills first. And then if you have money left over to, to, to give, but what I've found in my experience and what yeah. God promises is that if I would give, if I give that first, even with that void, that void will be taken care of by mm-hmm. God. And, and so like, that is, that is the advice for somebody who's got a full budget. Like, you have to shift your values. You have mm-hmm. to be willing to say, this is my priority. And then you get to see, it's like like you guys have already said, like you get to see where God steps in and provides those things. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of seasons. I, I'm the same way as you, Pastor Michael. I, I've tithed for as long as I can remember mm-hmm. or, or at least had some sort of a generosity where it was purpose generosity. It was more right. than what I wanted to do often sure. at times. But... There, there still are, have been seasons in my life where 
finances have been tight, where we've made financial decisions, not even that were bad Mm -hmm. necessarily, but but we sacrificed for the sake of Cassie staying home mm-hmm. um, with the kids or like where you make these different financial decisions and, and there's risk to it because you're not quite sure that, that your bills are going to be paid. But we've always been able to, to tithe. We've always been able to be generous or we've always made that a, a, um, a purpose thing. And then what I've watched in my life is time after time after time where I have been up against a desperate need that I was like, well, if you don't show up, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. God shows up. Yeah. And yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I just have to think like, you know, yeah, I mean, Mackie said it really well. Like you have this tension of like, if there, if there are things in your budget, if you have conveniences, like this is a very easy conversation to mm-hmm. me. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. Oh, I, okay. So, uh, last year I had a Jeep that I had like, I think like a $390 monthly payment on my Jeep. And first of all, terrible investment broke down all the time. Like, as you guys can all test the amount of times I'm like bumming rides to work. I'm pretty um, sure you tried to get me to buy one. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I was a oh, terrible fight. Like, everyone should get a Jeep. I love Jeeps. Never worked. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. But so I had this Jeep, but I realized at the beginning of this year, like if I want to be able to afford more generosity, I have to get rid of things in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of them. So I yeah. bought like a, like a really junk car that I still drive for like a thousand bucks. And that way I was out of that monthly payment so mm-hmm. I can bless people more. If that's where you're at, where you have anything you can cut to make a tithe possible, unapologetically, I'm like, oh yeah, every convenience, every streaming right. service, like right. like that, that that's how convicted I am. I do understand that there is. I'm literally at 105. percent mm. I don't make enough money at my job to cover mm-hmm. baseline mm-hmm. food, electricity, power, rent. Like, okay, yeah. different conversation. That is where it gets complicated as a pastor to look at somebody and say, do it anyways. Mm-hmm. That's like that that, that <laughs> yeah. hits yeah. you in the gut. Like, oh, do I tell this person right now? Mm. <laughs> but that's it anyways. But here's where I have to keep coming back to. This stuff was authored at a time where there was where they were talking about survival. Mm-hmm. They weren't talking about even as dramatic as what I just said, as power being turned off, not making rent. Terrifying. They were talking about survival. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't have you food don't now. If I, I don't eat. And if it was true then, it is true now. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that God shows up. Like I, I as a pastor, I, like I would rather, yes, no, keep tithing. And then from church benevolence, well, let's help pay bills. Let's figure yeah. it out. Um that's a practical way. I've also seen God supernaturally show up and bless people when they do that. Yeah. I just have to believe, we've talked about this many times, it's not true in the extreme, it's not true in the small situations. Mm. Right. If it was true then, in the most extreme mm. version of what we're yeah. talking about, yeah. I yeah. cannot on good authority tell anybody, no, this isn't true now, right. you should probably play it safe. Right. You know what I mean? I can't, yeah. I can't get past that. Even if that advice feels at times cruel to look at somebody who's poverty-stricken and struggling to make bills to say, mm. you should yeah. give 10% of what you have. That's a that's a gut wrenching thing, but yeah. there's at one point does my faith in God, does my belief in His Word and what He says, is that greater than my fear? Mm. And mm. the yeah. answer is yes, and I have to do it every time because the right. consequences are greater than whatever I might fall upon myself. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen um, Indiana Jones and in the uh, Last Crusade? No. No. Really? Oh man, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've only seen the first one. I haven't seen the other ones. Okay, so the 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 whole premise is like there's all these different tests. So he's he's looking for the Holy Grail, which was supposed to be the 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 cup that Jesus used at the Last Supper. Um, so he's in all these. It's it's Indiana Jones. It's a, it's a story. So he goes through all these tests. It's all these like puzzle like maze type things where like darts are shooting out at him and it's dangerous and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But he gets to this one place where it's called the Bridge of Faith, and the way they shoot it, like you can't see that there's any bridge. It's just this big gap. And the clue is like the person who takes the step of faith is, is the one who will succeed. And, mm-hmm. and so like the, the whole point being like you, you have to just step out yep. over this yep. ledge mm. and, and you have to trust that that's what 
like that you're going to be supported. You're not just going to fall to your death. Like, and so like, it's really dramatic. It's way better than what I'm describing here. So if you haven't watched that's, it that's yet, not, that sounds, even the way you're describing, it sounds pretty dramatic. That's, go, yeah. go and watch it. But it, that's the picture I, I get in my head. Well, though, yeah. yeah. I get that picture in my head every single time that I think about those, these moments where God brings us up to where we, if what he's calling us to is a step off of a cliff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, if we take it and he doesn't come through, we're done. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But if we take it and, and Indiana Jones, I'm going to ruin the movie for you. Indiana Jones takes that step and he like, he takes this most dramatic step that you can take. He just like sticks his leg out straight and leans over mm. and, and the bridge catches him. <laughs> like, and so like, and so like, but that's the concept. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what from personal testimony, that's what I found to be true yeah. every single time. And sometimes it doesn't look exactly how I think, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think we want, it goes back to even the tagline of this whole series. We want the best life to be the easy life. Mm. That's not what it means. No. But you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, but how is the Bible not riddled with that imagery? Look at Abraham oh, and his yeah. son. Yeah. Be like, I want mm. you to sacrifice your only son that was, right. it's like, oh, you want to talk about a gut wrenching story of someone with <laughs> yeah. kids yeah. now? It's like, yeah. dude, yeah. what? Right. I don't know they have that kind of faith. Right. Who is rewarded in the Bible? You people know, the, take that the people who take that step, right? I mean, yeah. The crazy, exactly. into the unknown, into the terrifying, into the complicated. Yeah. And it's like, man, I would rather, this is going to sound very dramatic. So I'm going to one up your Indiana Jones <laughs> dramatic story. <laughs> I would rather take that step and fail and run out of money and be poverty stricken and mm. than not mm. be obedient at that point. Yeah. It's like, man, at least at that point, I followed my conviction as scary as it is. And I've right. never met somebody near the end of their life who said, I wish that I would have been more conservative. Like mm. with, like, I wish I would have like taken, done the less of what God called for me, even when yeah. it was risky. It's right. 99.9, if not hundred percent of the time, the alternative yeah. of, I want to do what God called me to do. If mm. I could just have, you know, and that's just at it. That's just, it, that's where I, where I said earlier, finances are like one of the only very real visceral things in that sense of like, mm-hmm. dude, this is my survival. This is yeah. my electricity. Mm-hmm. This is my, yeah. So how much do I believe in what God called right. me to do? Mm-hmm. Like, right. do I really? And it's just like, nothing else is that tangible in my life. And that's yeah. where unapologetically, like I just have to, I'm just going to keep doing it. And, I've, and since then, luckily I said, we, we serve this magnanimous God who loves us and cares for us, who provides in that, you know, mm-hmm. so that's the beautiful part of it. But again, even more than the reward part, like I want to be obedient. Yeah. Like more than any risk, more than any fear, I'd rather be obedient. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to combine the next two kind of topics. He's, he talked about uh, God commanding a tithe and God commanding ongoing generosity. And, and the tithe, as Matthew explained it, is 10% of the income. It's something that we see modeled um, as early as Abraham. Mm-hmm. We see Abraham giving a tenth to uh, the priest Mel- Melchizedek, which that that should be a topic of conversation someday. That's a <laughs> that's a pretty interesting topic. But um, um, so he gives this ten percent, and then we see this pattern modeled time and time again. You get to the laws, and you start to hear um, some of these ideas of tithe being uh, expressed as far as like temple tax, and then you start to see the temple tax actually starts to look more like. 15, 20%, though the yeah. tithe is still the the baseline model of, of what's happening with the temple. So Matthew said it on Sunday, and in the first service, he kind of briefly kind of breezed past it. And he was talking about the idea of, of why the 10% is important, but then also the idea of ongoing generosity or generosity above and beyond. He said that the tithe is the base amount. It's mm. the starting place. Yeah. And what... So, if 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 ten percent is the starting place, what does God really want from our finances mm. and and how we operate in our finances? Yeah, yeah. I think I think in that obedience, really, that principle He's teaching is that that tithe is obedience. If generosity isn't 
just the obedience. It's something further than that obedience, mm -hmm. right? So if that's the foundation, I think God is really looking at the heart at that point. Mm -hmm. So what is that heart beyond that obedience? It's generosity. Yeah. That's okay. what God's looking for. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, I think that looks different in different seasons. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it probably looked different from the temple versus, you know, uh, further in history. But I think God's looking for generosity. I think he's ultimately looking for heart change. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, Again, going back to the topic of there's just two different ki kinds of people that you can have a conversation about this with, and generosity looks radically different. So I don't mm -hmm. think even past that obedience step, you can put you know a number to it or like a mm -hmm. to-do list. Um, but generosity does look different for people, but I think it's the heart behind that. Yeah, okay. yeah. And that, that's what I was going to say. Um, it is our relationship with him and it is our heart. I, I shared this with our connect group last night, but I was saying, you know, if you really think about it, okay, look at the whole a hundred percent. God only asks for 10%. A hundred percent of it belongs to him, but mm. all he asks us to give is 10% mm. of it. And then, and I think, and I've seen this in my own life is that when I then give that 10%, it is a heart check for me to going where I say, man, look at what God has done with that 10%. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like we have 350 kids coming to the tree church. You know, I'm able to be on staff here. Mm -hmm. We're able to welcome hundreds of guests every single year. And knowing that that's what that 10% is going to, mm -hmm. it has almost shifted my heart to be like, I can go to the store and not buy anything because that's not worth it as much to me as what God could do with that other 90%. Mm -hmm. So does he want me to enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've gotten to do fun things with it because of the heart check that God's given to us. But mm. at the same time, then it's like, okay, I've given my 10%. Oh, somebody's in need. And we were mm. sharing this in Connect Group last night. We were like, it really is more blessed to give to other people than it is to receive. You know, right. like that joy that comes when you are like, God, I've given you the 10%, but the other 90%, I want you to be able to do with it what you want because I know you're going to do way more with my finances, with my resources than I could ever do. Yeah. 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 You know, I think there's, even as Stacy was saying that I had to fight this like impulse in my heart of just like, Oh, enough is enough. You already have 10. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, <laughs> like I want to go do this thing. Here's the reality though. I, I've seen a shift in my lifetime. So I'm 30 years old. haven't been here super long, but long enough to have seen culture change and move over that mm -hmm. short period of time to where what I just said, enough is enough. Right. Mm -hmm. That is a cultural piece of information that makes me think that that's too dramatic. Hmm. And in different times in the, in the Bible, different times study, even American history, that's not the case. So Acts uh, chapter 4 says, All believers were one, uh, <clears throat> one in heart and mind. Hmm. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but hmm. they shared everything they had. Um, and then that continues to say like what the function of that was. So they can continue to, to preach and testify the Lord Jesus, right? I have this illusion that like 10% enough is enough. Like, Oh, mm. on top of what are you talking about? It's like uh, that. What? It, no. Like yeah. in this cultural context of the mission of like, we know that we need to further mm. like the word and in, in the work of Jesus's right. salvation. We, right. This is important. People came and gave everything that they had to this mm. cause. Mm. Yeah. And I have this illusion that 10% is enough. Mm. That, like enough is enough. Yeah. You know, I'm not necessarily saying like, you should give everything to I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying right. culture informs what feels dramatic. Mm -hmm. That's why it feels huge to me. Yeah. That's um, good. You've heard me gripe about this for years now. Um, <laughs> uh, Stacey's usually a good person to gripe to because she's deeply empathetic and like, well, what about this person? She's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, she always like makes me like centers kind of my, but I've had this complaint. Um, I'm just going to be really candid. So like, please forget if you want to talk more about this, come, you know, you can come if you're, if you're frustrated by it, I, I, I totally get it. But 
I, I've always had this the same similar frustration with people in their service to the church. Mm-hmm. To where I'll have uh, throughout the years, I'll have a volunteer who's serving on the worship team once a month. And they're like, "Hey, I need to take a break. I'm just feeling burnt out." Um, my first pass is always, "I'd be willing to bet the one time a month that you're serving your church is not the thing burning you out." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. mostly because of your cultural information. It feels like things are too busy, so I need to cut back, and that's something to cut back on. Where it's like, even in my lifetime, again, I'm 30 years old, I've seen enough cultural change. When I grew up, a standard for going to church was multiple times a week. Yeah, I went, you know, and many people that I know, um, so not just my family, like a, a standard, at least in my church denomination, was we're going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Wednesday night for any kind of like youth ministry, small group time, you know, mm-hmm. um, Bible class, whatever you're taking. Right. Now we've seen what's the latest Barnum study. You guys probably know it, where it's like, I think the average church attender that would call themselves committed goes like, once every three weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the yeah. new. Maybe yeah. even less. Yeah. 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 It used to be like twice a month and now it's like once every three weeks mm-hmm. is like on average throughout the year. I look at that and I'm like, oh, you're like you're, culturally that's now the normal for a committed person. When I was a kid, it would have been like three times a week for like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like super committed to my church. Like I'm really committed to church. That is a pretty significant shift. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing, whether your time, your money, it's like mm-hmm. your, our cultural standards are informing what we view as too much or too little. Where yeah. the reality is like, Again, my time, my money, my resources, mm. it is God's. Yeah. It is wow. all yeah. his. Exactly. Yeah. What and what it how much of it goes to generosity to not I every time I feel that ping in my heart of like, oh, that's already so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want right. it's like, right. oh my gosh, like that's I only feel that way because of my lifestyle, because of mm. like because of the way that yeah. I live, because of the way that uh, the, the standard of success in America is you want certain things. And I understand mm-hmm. that, you know, economy's changed, like buying a house right now is nearly impossible if you're yeah. you know, like a starter home's gone. Sure. I I'm not being naive to that. I right. understand. Right. Um, but I also understand deeply when you read stuff like this, it's like, oof, like that. Mm-hmm. I only feel that way though, because of the standard that I live wow. in today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the real standard that God has is literally everything you have is mine. Mm-hmm. And he is so loving and generous and holy mm-hmm. and perfect and righteous that he blesses us throughout that. Yeah. But yeah. every time I feel that thing of like, that's too much time, that's too much generosity. Mm-hmm. That means I have to sacrifice this. I always want to be combat that with like, what, what is, what, why do I feel that way? Mm-hmm. And how can I combat it with holiness and with giving with a cheerful heart and with saying like, right. oh man, if, if I'm saying that's too much, what if I actually said not enough? What mm-hmm. if I was like, how can I be more generous? How yeah. can I be? Right. Yeah. Right. I, as you guys were talking, I think about the the story of the, the rich young ruler. Like this is mm-hmm. the story where Jesus comes to, mm-hmm. or this young man comes to Jesus and he mm-hmm. says, hey, he says, um, I, how do I inherit eternal life. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says to him, obey all the commands that God has, has put out. And he goes, okay, I've got obedience down, kind of like what you said. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've got that. I'm doing that. And then Jesus goes, well, give everything that you own, sell your stuff to the poor, and then come follow me. And and the guy goes away sad. And, and you can talk to 12 different Bible scholars, and you'll get 12 different answers as to whether the guy comes back or what is the... The question that we always ask, though, when it comes to that story is, is Jesus saying that I have to give everything to to follow him? Do I have to give away all my possessions to follow him? And I I think the answer is yes and no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so is God asking you to give every single dime that you have all the time? No. Mm-hmm. I, like that's not a strict command that Jesus was giving. Sure, like yeah. I would say, he, he's telling a story to illustrate a principle. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he, yeah. he's il- illustrating a principle. But the reality is that the heart behind that, the, the thing that sits behind the question that Jesus offers to, to the young man and the thing that the young man needs to wrestle with is, am I willing to give everything and anything that I have to know Jesus mm-hmm. and to follow him yeah. and to be with him? Yeah. And and that, I think, is the question that comes down to with our finances, is just kind mm-hmm. of what you said. It, it That story encapsulates of if, if I would walk away sad, 
and not mm-hmm. say, not be willing to say yes yeah. mm-hmm. in a moment like that. If right. Jesus asked yeah. me to, like, I got to go back and I got to do some heart work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of scholars yeah. will say, God came back later and followed Jesus. I hope that that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that what that does is that leaves room for the fact that I think all of us would go, oh, man, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and be bummed by that. Yeah. But then the hope that we can come to a place where we're, we hold everything that we own with open hands because exactly. God owns so it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. so that, so that we can respond this way. So, so the tithe does set the foundation. Obedience sets the foundation. Like mm-hmm. you said, Mackie, but, but the, the standard is everything. The standard yeah. is generosity. Yeah. Um, and, and if we're not willing to go to that length, I think we have some heart work to do. And mm-hmm. I think we, yeah. we've got yeah. some more relationship building, like what you said earlier, yeah. some trust building to do with God. Right. And, and, that's not a bad thing to wrestle through, yeah. right? Because yeah. I think we would be dishonest if if we said <laughs> we don't all hit that moment in some place in our yeah. life right. where we go. Right. I don't know that I'm ready to give that. Yeah, I think it has to start with the heart too, like you said. Mm-hmm. And what Michael was kind of getting to, what he was saying about you know having this in your heart to to be generous, that it has to come from your priorities and mm-hmm. um, and that you have to believe this thing, but it has to start with the heart, I think. How yeah. hard would it be to do those things without a heart change? Right. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how hard would impossible. those... Impossible. Yeah, yeah. It, it'd have to be impossible. Yeah. You could probably fake it for a while, but like sure. if your heart's just not in it, you're not mm-hmm. going to uphold that. You know what I mean? It's like a good story about Ananias about that too. Yeah. Like you want yeah. the appearance of like I'm in this, mm-hmm. but the moment that there's a call for something greater, his story was kind of a bummer. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably a really good way to look at that story too, because it's yeah. a dramatic story in acts where yeah. like two people fall dead like at the doorstep yeah. you know what i mean i I, ha- I talked to a student I, multiple times about this topic but one time i just got really real with the student because i knew him well and he said man yeah i just we're talking about do- doing devotionals um which to a lot of us is like oh that's easy it's simple mm-hmm. is, or it's mm-hmm. a normal practice of our life mm-hmm. you know to you know new Christians and especially like, you know, younger Christians that can be like the hardest thing ever to do. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to him and I was like, I was like, so what, what do you think are some of the problems with doing devotionals? And he said, well, one is, I don't know where to look. I was like, okay, well let's find you, you know, Mm -hmm. places to look on uh, creative ways to do it. He's like, also, I just don't have time. I was like, okay, real quick, pull up your screen (laughs) time on your phone. And he did. And I was like, it averaged like five hours a day. I was like, out of these five hours on, you know, WhatsApp and, you know, Neopets or whatever. That's a dated <laughs> reference. MySpace, you know. No, it's a, a terrible I don't reference. even know what that is, yeah, but exactly. I knew it was a cut. No, yeah, yeah, no, so. I know what it is. No, but like Instagram, whatever it may be. Of those five hours, could you take 20 to 30 minutes yeah. to devote it to God? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But if his heart and his priorities didn't shift right. to think, oh, actually, God does belong in that mm. portion mm. of my time. Same with the giving, right? It's like yeah. if your heart yeah. doesn't shift to be, to realize, oh God, that does belong to God. This portion, right. whatever it may be, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Right. Yeah. Well, and that kind of brings us to this place where you guys are all talking about very tangible expressions mm-hmm. of, of faith. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Sabbath as far as like rest. We talk about tithing. We've talked about with our money. We've talked about serving. Why is it important that? Why is it important that the the values that we express, so the value of uh, I want to follow God, I want to love mm-hmm. God, why does it why is it important that those things show up in these tangible ways? I mean that's the, that's the obedience of it, you know, like like I can share, you know, I've shared this a couple times on this podcast, but it's a little bit different than giving, but earlier last year you know, I felt like God was like, I want you to teach. And I was like, absolutely not. And, you know, but like, it was a faith step. It was a step of obedience. 
And so even things like this, like that's that I think God gives us tangible things to do because we are human. And he knows like Mm. when I do this tangible thing and then I see what God does with my obedience and the way that he blesses it it causes me to want to continue to do those tangible things. And it causes me then to want to take it to the next level. Yeah, so so you, you, you think with like tithing, yeah. it's like I remember that first time that we gave and it was like, okay, we saw how God blessed it. We mm-hmm. saw how we started to get our finances in order mm-hmm. and it's super tangible to us. So now we're looking at it and we're going, how can I go above and beyond mm-hmm. now? You yeah. know what I mean? And so it's like with each tangible step, he calls us to a deeper tangible step because he knows we're human, because he knows that that's, that really is how we're going to almost kind of combine with God and really be able to see, I took this step. Here's what God did. Hmm. I took this step. Here's what God did. Wow. Yeah. Super good. good. Yeah. I mean, for me, it just feels like talk is cheap on some level. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's, there's a level of of lip service that's possible within faith to say, Mm -hmm. I think this, I believe this. Um, And you can say that all day long. Like I think about my relationship with my wife. And if I say, um, I, I love you. Like, I love you a lot. Mm. Um, but if I know that she could use help, you know, with, um, our kids and I'm just like, Oh, I'd rather go lay down. I'm going to go take a nap. Mm. It's like, oof, or, or vice versa. If she says, <laughs> Michael, I love you. And I'm like, these kids are, you know, I got three toddlers are driving me crazy. And she's like, yeah, sounds good. I have to go take a nap. It's like, Oh, maybe now's not the time. You know, what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, if one, you know, yeah, hundred percent where, where there, there's a level of, of when you do something tangible, that's, that's a, tangible representation of what where your heart is yeah. and what's going on on the yeah. inside um you know again you know, talking about marriage if, if gina were to be like man you know i'd really like to get you know if she if, if it's your birthday it's like i really wish you would have got me flowers on my birthday and if i were in front of her open up an app like done i just ordered you flowers it's like this is all lip service you know what mm, i mean right like there's something yeah. powerful about showing yes. through action and through tangible volume things of like this mm. is mm-hmm. you know it's where your treasures where your heart will be That's right, right. Yeah. right. What I, how i'm spending my time my money my resources am i sacrificing time you know th- these are all things i can do in my marriage to show my wife like hey i would rather go chill out and go watch a movie mm. right now but instead i want to do this to serve you that i know yeah. is going to bless you and make your life if you look at any relationship and say that somebody just only verbally expresses how they feel with no action to back it up, mm-hmm. it's a safe bet to say that they probably don't actually feel it or experience the things that they're saying. That's so true. And as the reciprocant of that, your spouse might be like, oh, you don't love me. Like mm. you say that and mm-hmm. you're, you, you even yeah. say it in the best, most flowery language. I heard a pastor yeah. once, it's like a really good il- illustration. <laughs> it's like, if I go to my kids, I'm like, hey, go clean your room. And you go in there an hour later and they're like, hey, here, here's the deal. Dad, I, I read all about it. I looked up what it means to clean your room. Like I researched it. <laughs> uh, I think it's Uh-oh. Francis Chaney said this. Like I yeah. researched it. Um, I even learned it in the Hebrew and the Greek. Like, <laughs> what, like, I studied what it would look like to clean my room. I know all about it. And it's just like, yeah, but like, did but you, you clean your it. room? Like, <laughs> like, no, but like I, I, I'm a master. I can even, I can go teach a course on how to clean rooms. It's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And that to me is that relationship with God where yeah. it's like, cool. Like you said it, like, you know all about it. You can even be preaching it. You could be you know, a professor to college teaching this stuff. Did you go clean your room? Mm-hmm. Did you do yeah. what I asked you to do? Yeah. Did right. you actually do the things that you're called to do? We're not called to talk about stuff. And there's crossover there. Sometimes what we're called to do is to go talk about things. Mm-hmm. But man, if there's not tangible weight behind what you're saying, it's like, it's just, you're just talking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, that, you know, yeah, like I said, talk is cheap. You know, you, you have to have those yeah. tangible things that point to God and say, mm-hmm. this is, 
this is why I'm faithful because I, I acted faithful. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Building on that analogy too. Imagine like you woke up and like asked your wife is like, do you think I have to hug you today? It's like, <laughs> okay, how many times oh. do I need to hug you? Yeah. You oh. know, it's like, do I need to say I love you? How many times do I need to say I love you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just kind of 10% of my day telling about, you I yeah, love you to make yeah. you feel loved. Exactly. Like finding like, what's the bare minimum here? It's like eventually like that re- there's no love in that relationship. Well, you know even, I mean? even draw that next to what Paul said, doing the cheerful heart. Like, okay, yeah. I said, I love you to my wife 10 times today. Cause that's what she said is the minute. Like check. Yeah. Nailed <laughs> it. It's like, yeah, but like, do you love your wife? Yeah. <laughs> like, did you enjoy, like, did you, you know, and that's, yeah, I think it's, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to go here. And I think people are gonna be like, man, you guys are, you guys are jumping on this pretty hard. Imagine 10% of your sins are forgiven. <laughs> you know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah. So like True. that, that's, or, hmm. you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm only going to forgive some of what, yeah. or do I have to, mm. Jesus didn't take this harder, this posture at all. Wow. And and yeah. so like when God went to express his love, what did he do? He became a tangible mm. human mm. being. Yeah. Wow. He came exactly. to our level. He, he interacted with us in, mm. in a way that we would understand the way that we would experience. And then he took care of our, our, our problems in a way that we would understand in a way that we would you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like he did it all within the context of the, the Jewish faith at this time. And, and so it's like, what did he do? But he, he painted a picture for them of his love mm-hmm. over and over and over again to the most extreme way that he could think to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he did it in a way that they would understand the depth of his love yeah. for, for his people. And so like, as we are called to emulate Christ, like we have to realize like, it does. It's it's what you said. I'm not going to repeat. You you said it so well, Pastor Michael. No, that, you got it. Like, but there's just this idea. Like, w- it has to have some flesh and bones to it. Like, yeah. it's got to have some. Yeah. It's got to have some meat to it, or or it is. We we can say anything we want, yeah. but yeah. yeah. All right. So um, to kind of wrap this all up, I, what I want to do is I I just love to hear from you guys. Like. Mm-hmm. All of these principles that we looked at, and I know we didn't touch on everything in this podcast, but but like I said, go back and listen to Pastor Matthew's message if you want to hear the rest of them. But as we, as you guys have lived out these principles in your lives, and as you've wrestled with them, and as you have found life out of them, um, the the question that, that Pastor Matthew posed of of does these things still bring value and supernatural blessing to your life? What what are the stories that, that you could tell people from from your own experience that? Absolutely. This, this is something that is beneficial and, and a blessing to my life. Yeah. You know, for me, um, this is a really like, like quick, easy, I, I can, I can give you quite a few, but a very easy example for me is when me and Gina were looking for our house. Um, so we had a, a small house that we bought in Lancaster and then we just had too many kids. Like, so we're, it's, it's, it's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mentioned I've got three toddlers. Their ages are uh, two, three, and four. So we had kids really quick, you know, uh, pretty crazy. <clears throat> and uh, some would say irresponsible, you know, but we we, we, made, it <laughs> we made it work. Uh, but all of a sudden, we 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 found out Gina was pregnant with our with Myra, and uh-huh. we realized really quickly like we don't have space, mm-hmm. like we don't um, we don't have room for all these kids. And we just had like a two bedroom house. And we're just like, oh man, what are we gonna do? We were trying to get really creative in the way the house was laid out. It would have been like very challenging. Um, and so we just prayed and we're like, all right, it's the middle of COVID, but we're gonna try to sell our house and buy a new house. Um, and the housing market, it's even crazier now, was just really wild. And we probably made um, seven offers on house houses that were really, you know, uh, uh, good offers. Things that, like, in theory should have been taken just to get a house that had three bedrooms. We we're not looking at four bedroom. We're like, they can still share. We just need more space at this point or else we don't, you know. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we're hunting around and can't find anything. We can't find anything. Um, making all these offers, nothing is taken. 
And I was almost frustrated because we felt like we made a prayerful decision and it felt like God did not hold up his end of the bargain. Mm. It was like, dude, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. all right, like you got to help out at some point. Like, you you know, we felt like we had like a green light to do this. What's going on? Like we already had an offered land on our house. We're getting ready to close on it. We don't have anywhere to go. Like, what do we do? Um, and just this guy whose house was uh, off the market, um, our realtor found him and he sold us our house in, in for the exact same price that we were selling our house for that had mm. where we had a backyard that probably... Um, was like 600 square feet. It was so small to a house that had a quarter of an acre as a backyard mm -hmm. and a house that had two bedrooms to a house that had three bedrooms and like a finished basement and like, a, you know, all these spaces that we can kind of build out and really mm -hmm. raise the family that we knew by volume we had at that point. The same ex for the same exact price point, way under, like supernaturally way under the market. Like when we bought it, it was instantly we, you know, like $60,000 in equity because we bought it under the market. It's like, whoa, this house was valued way more at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was just crazy. It was like, mm -hmm. man... Like we, like, like we had this burden from God to go try to do this thing and it got really concerning. We thought this was an act of faithfulness and that's where the doubts come in of like, dude, I've like, let's get real, God. I've tithed my whole life. This is your fault. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, I've been faithful. Like what, you hear all the cool stories. Like, well, come on, like, like, mm -hmm. clutch you up. Yeah. And God was just so extravagant, that generosity. Yeah. It's a house that I love to this day. I'll probably die in that house. It's like, it's a beautiful mm -hmm. home and it's got a, like <clears throat> a really great time at a super low interest rate. And it's like, man, for that even to, where we, where we did not intentionally have kids in that timeline. We didn't intentionally think that we we're going to have to outgrow this house to be like, all right, God, like, let's mm -hmm. see if you provide for him to do so with such generosity. Yeah. So I'm not a prosperity gospel driven person to think if you die, the good stuff happens. Right. But I do believe that that was, a, that was, if, if, how do you call that anything but supernatural in my right. life? Mm -hmm. Like God showed yeah. up and provided a really beautiful home for us to move into and to raise our family into. And it's yeah. like, yeah. I'm not saying it's exactly because I tied this amount because I was generous this amount, but it is just a reminder of the fact that God is super faithful. And mm -hmm. if he calls you into something, he's going to, he's going to open up the doors for you to be able to, you know, accomplish what you need to. And that's just how generous he is with us. Yeah. 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 I'd love to share um, just kind of our journey with it. So I, I grew up in church. I did not start tithing until I was on staff at the tree. Um, just because I just didn't, I didn't understand it. It wasn't, mm. I didn't feel like it was, I was taught well. I didn't sure. understand the heart behind it. And so then coming on staff, it was, I mean, it is a requirement, but we do it joyfully, sure. yeah. you know, mm. um, it's part of core membership. And I remember that first time that we gave it, it was tight. Like, and I, I can still remember, you know, like we decided through that we were tithing and we were like, Man, we came, we both came into our marriage with a lot of debt. We both came in with a lot of poor decision making, you mm -hmm. know, in the past. Sure. And I hope that our story can encourage somebody. Yeah. But we were like, no, we need to do this. This is what God's calling us to do. And so we tithed once and we were like, okay, we survived. Like mm -hmm. I, we may only have $50 to our name, but we survived. Yeah. We did it again and again. And I will say, we do have one of those stories where then God was like, here, let me show you what I can do with your obedience, you mm. know, whether it be raises or we sold stuff, you know. But in that same time frame, we were like, we were looking at our finances and we were like, we do not honor God with what we're spending. Uh, we've got all this credit card debt. We need to get that taken care of and mm. we need to be more focused on what we're doing. Mm. And so we really got um, really into like budgeting and making sure. And, and I, this is like the tangible thing for people is that I get it. I understand it doesn't look right on paper. When right. I said that, that's because I lived that out where we were like, this doesn't make sense. So we start tithing, we start paying off debt. And now we're at a place where we were even talking the other day where it's like, it is easy to go in and out of a store and only grab the milk that you need or only grab mm. the things that you mm. need 
because we're like, man, God has been so incredibly yeah. generous to us. We put in the hard work. We didn't eat out for six months. Mm. We didn't buy extra stuff. It was literally like, mm. what is our budget? We are sticking to that. And now we are at a place where it's like, man, I love to give that 10% because I know what God's doing in the ministry. Wow. But I also love, I can be at the grocery store and see a mom who's struggling and be like, I'm going to pay for your groceries yeah, today. Yeah. You know, I'm at a place where it's like, we can take friends of cadences on vacations with us, you know, things yeah. like that, where it's like, it really is so much more life-giving to be able to do these things where we had a story in our past where it was like, we weren't giving to God. We weren't walking in obedience and we were really struggling. Yeah. But now to be on the other side of that, man, I just want to encourage people just take that step of obedience. Trust us. Go talk to that financial advisor. Do whatever you can mm. because God's going to do something in your heart and mm. in your life. And, and maybe you won't get to a place where, where we are now, but you'll still get to a place where God's really going to do something in your heart and give you that opportunity to be like, man, I'm going to have open hands with all of my resources because they belong to God and he does way more than I will ever do with mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got a ton of stories similar to those um, in my adult life. I remember the one that always sticks out to me is the first time God ever really like showed up in that situation and kind of in that big miraculous way. I would call it a miracle in a lot of ways. It's funny because it was so practical. And to a lot of the people involved in my story, to them, is probably no biggie, right? And mm -hmm. they may not think about it as much as I do. I remember I started tithing when I was working at Winn-Dixie when I was in a 17-year-old high school student. And I was on the worship team at my church. And, you know, the worship worship pastor, she really encouraged us, you know, to, to follow this principle. So I started taking this $7 an hour paycheck that I got every week, you know, from working at first, it was McDonald's. And then I trans transitioned to Winn-Dixie, which is a Moving grocery up. store in the South, by the way. <laughs> if you've ever seen the movie Because of Winn-Dixie with the dog, it's a real place, uh, a real <laughs> grocery store. So I uh, worked as a cashier at Winn-Dixie. So I, anyway, I tithe. So when it came time for me to actually leave from ministry school, um, people in my church just really like showered me with generosity. Mm -hmm. Um, I sent out support letters and Michael, I think you did something similar when you left for yeah. uh, ministry school, uh, what we call master's commission. That's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I sent out these support letters and people were just like surprising me left and right with mm -hmm. just yeah. the mm -hmm. most in the most generous ways possible. Um, I remember one guy, he, he gave me like this large amount of cash to like, I was well paid. Like my, my schooling was paid. I wasn't going to have to struggle for anything. He gave me this big wad of cash. And he says, do you have gas in your truck to even get to school? Cause it was mm -hmm. seven hours away in North Carolina. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go get gas later. I've got plenty of money to get it. And I remember getting to the gas station. He just fills up the tank. Um, that guy later did that again. One time at a gas station, he said, if you pull the, the nozzle out of your truck before, before it's full, I'm going to break your legs, which is, <laughs> I always think about that because it's like, it's people like that, that just go out of their way because yeah, God yeah. changed something yeah. in their heart to go out of their wow. way, to be generous yeah. with me. Um, yeah. and that was the very first time that he proved his faithfulness because mm -hmm. I could mm -hmm. not have done that alone. Yeah. Um, and do I feel like that it has something to do with the fact that I was obedient, even when that little paycheck I was getting from the grocery store, I do, mm -hmm. like, I do oh, believe yeah. that God was honoring mm -hmm. something like that. So. Uh, the, these are such awesome stories. I, I, as I was thinking and listening to you guys talk, like thinking through my life, first of all, um, generosity was modeled for my parents. And my parents, um, they they were always at the church serving. They, they were always a part of what uh, what was going on there. Um, I, I watched my dad mow yards for people at the church. Like I watched him do like all these different things. 
Um, even to this day, like I, Cassie just sent me a, 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 um, a screenshot of off of Facebook and there was this golf outing that, that, um, my dad plays in and there's an organization called Crosseyes missions that, that I, I was, I actually got to go on trips with them and, mm. but they do, um, eyeglasses for, uh, other countries. Oh, okay. So he's an eye doctor. Um, so he has a golf outing every year and, and Cassie sent me the screenshot from the golf outing where it listed a thank you to all the sponsors. And there's this company, 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 and you get into the middle of this list and there is Greg and Diane Reed. And that's my mom and dad's, oh, wow. my cool. mom and dad. Yeah. And so like all these whole sponsors are, are, are companies who, who probably have money set aside for like doing this. And, and mm-hmm. they're my mom and dad. And, and like, awesome. she just sent me that text and she's like, I love that your parents are so generous. And, and, mm-hmm. and so like, I have been raised in an environment where like the generosity was, was just the way that, that you live. And so my story is, is more about the better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've had all those experiences that you guys have had where God has come yeah. through in that way. But one of the most profound moments of my life and, and watching God work and how God faith how God is faithful. I was in college and I was um I was doing snow removal for a year or for a winter um for the grounds crew. And and I was um I was using that money, I was paying off Cassie's engagement ring. I was um I was doing a bunch of different things with the money, but it was my third job. And so mm-hmm. like it was just like an it, it was it was nice because it was extra income for mm-hmm. after the bills that I was paying and whatnot. And I felt like God said, hey, there's this guy that you work with at your other job. He wants to go to Africa um, with the school. Mm. He wasn't a student. He was just a really cool guy. I loved him. Um, his name was Jermaine. And I, I, I love Jermaine. Like, he was such a good guy. Um, and so he was like, I want to go do that. But, but Jermaine worked at a school cafeteria. So, like, mm. his extra income was not there. So I felt like God was like, hey, fund this guy's trip to Africa. Mm. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, how do I do that? He's like... I want you to give all your snow, your snow removal money to, to that cause. And I said, okay. Um, oddly enough, it's, uh, it started out a slow winter. January is, I think, warm. And I, it, I'm like, okay, um, we, we said we were going to do this, but I'm, I'm working like five, six hours a week. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I was still doing it, giving what I could. And then um, all of a sudden February hit and we had out of the 28 days of snow or 28 days of, of February, 18 days had snow mm. on the ground where I had to get up and go shovel snow, which is terrible as a college student. Cause you get called at like 4am <laughs> like to go shovel snow, remove snow. But like thinking back on that and thinking like God provided this kid's trip, he showed, um, he, he showed this young man how, how he had thought about him, how he loved him. Mm-hmm. And I got to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and this is like one of those ways in which generosity and giving, it blesses you. It's, it's what Jesus says. It's better to give than to receive. Like mm-hmm. I, I still think about Jermaine often. I think about that story. I think about that season. And when I do, I just remember how faithful God is and how faithful he is to allow us to, to be a part of the amazing things that he's doing in yeah. this world yeah. um, and being a part of, of the way that he's advancing the kingdom. Right. Um, and so um, that that's kind of my story. I, and awesome. I got a thousand other ones. I'm that's sure you guys idea. do too. Yeah. So, but well, um, I think we're wrapping up on time here. Any other thoughts, any other things that you guys wanted to highlight before we jump off? I, as you're talking, I just had one thought of like, keep in mind as well that like generosity doesn't always have to look uh, financial as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Your time, your resources, yeah. like, you know, uh, you, I thought about this as you said, your, your parents were so generous. So you had that. My parents growing up, we had an open door policy to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like as long as it was safe, like as long as it wasn't like a dangerous person. People would come in and eat. Uh, they had multiple people stay with them who mm-hmm. were displaced. 
um, where my wife and I in this house that we have have housed three different people who've gotten to stay with us who needed a place to stay, you mm-hmm. know? Um, we were just joking last night. We were cleaning up our garage. Like, I think we were going to take a break from it. It's nice to have like our garage back and our basement back. But that, but it's being open handed with whatever you have. Yeah. yeah. If you're like, I don't right. have liquid 100%. income. Like, if you're looking at tithing, like, there's literally nothing, nothing left. Mm-hmm. Have it in your heart of how can I be generous with whatever resources mm-hmm. I have, whether it just be your something that Mackie said recently. Your availability is your best ministry, or something along those lines. Yeah. Your availability to people to minister, to love right. on them, to have a conversation, um, to have someone in your house to eat food, whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. I've never regretted generosity. Right. Yeah. Ever. Right. I'm sure you guys yeah. can say the same thing. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Well, thank you guys so much for your insight today and for, for this conversation. If you at home are listening and you're finding these conversations beneficial, we would love it if you take the time to, to like, share. That way other people can, be benef- can benefit from it as well. Um, but otherwise, what I'd leave you with today and what I want to challenge you with is, is if you are already tithing, what I'd encourage you to do is ask God what, what Pastor Michael just said. How can I live a generous life? Hmm. What can I do today to be generous with someone with what I have? Whether you have zero or whether you have a, a million dollars, you know what right. I'm saying? Um, and then if you're if you're not tithing, what my encouragement to you is is take those steps of faith. Begin with that level of obedience, and then see if God does not come through for you in the ways um, that you need Him. And, and it, because it will, it will impinge. Um, on some of your wants and desires. It will impinge on even some of the more dramatic things at times. But God has always proven faithful and he promises always to come through. And so um, that is my encouragement to you today as we sign off. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next week.